uh, that I started several weeks ago. This number seven. Uh, we're talking about the gospel of the kingdom, the two sides of the kingdom of God. The gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Father, I just ask, Spirit of the living God, anoint our hearts today with the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we can receive from you and our lives can be transformed. You have so much to show us. You have so much to reveal to us. We need you so much. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. I've said that the kingdom of God... The gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ has two parts. The first part is Jesus in your heart. He prepares you for heaven. And then he leaves you his word to handle life here on earth. Because you are not yet in heaven. There, are, there, there will be issues here on earth that you have to deal with. There will be issues here that you have to overcome. Problems. Things, but he leaves you with his word, which God is using today to hold everything that he has created in place. So the word of God, while you are on earth, can hold your life together. But you need to know the principles of his word and how to operate these principles. And I guarantee you, they never fail. It may seem as if nothing is happening, but God is behind the scene and is at work. And when the job is finished, on that appointed time, he reveals it to you. And the world will see, and they'll be amazed. Now, let me let you know this. God doesn't do anything in secret. He deals with you in secret, but when its time comes, he rewards you openly. So everybody can see that God is the one doing this. Nobody can be in doubt that God is at work in your life. That's the God we serve. Otherwise, we're just playing games. God is. And when you follow God, by and by, God finishes the work that He's begun in your life and He perfects it so everybody can see. So there are seven principles that we're talking about. The principle, the very first principle God gave to us, the principle of the spoken word. Your words matter. And then this principle of honor. That what you honor, you can protect. You will protect. And if you honor God, He honors you. That's the, uh, the second principle there. And the third principle, the principle of gratitude. Showing gratitude to God. God expects it. And gratitude is the seed for more. And then we're talking about the principle of giving and receiving. Which is the principle for your prosperity. God will love you. And God wants you to have. God wants to take care of you. God wants to help pay all your bills. God wants peace in your home. But God doesn't do anything outside of you. He needs you to give him something to work with. That's the way he is. Jesus could have taken bread from heaven, just stretched out his hand, pulled some bread from heaven to feed the 5,000. But he said, what do you have? Give me what you have. When you put what you have in his hand, he goes out from the natural hand into a divine hand. And once he touches it, he's not going to keep it. He blesses it and he gives it back to you. And when you receive it, multiplication takes place. 
And then your whole needs can be met. This is a principle all the way from Genesis. And if you don't understand this principle, you will always be in want. But if you understand this principle, then you have made the Lord your shepherd. And you know what the word says? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's not something to just memorize. It's something that works daily in our lives. If you will practice the word of God. Now you have to understand that once you become a Christian, God considers you a farmer. I didn't realize this. Every Christian is a farmer. And you have to be deliberate. Farmers are very deliberate. They prepare the ground, right? And they get water ready to prepare the seed. They set some seed aside and they are deliberate and they sow. God expects you to sow because he created you. You are a new creation. The new creation is a farmer. That's how you are going to live a prosperous and a successful life. That's one key principle to live a prosperous life as a Christian. You must sow. If you don't sow, you won't receive. God will love you. God wants to give to you, but he's got nothing to work with. Jesus said, give me what you have. Then I'll give it back to you, multiply. But until you give him what you have, he has nothing to work with. Because you are on the earth. Give him something from the earth, and he will bring something from heaven. You got, give him the natural, and he'll put the super, and you got the supernatural. But that's the way it always works. Until you give him the natural, you won't have supernatural. You got to do your part, and he does his part. It's not works. He's just giving him, Lord, I surrender and give everything to you. Now you take it because I can't do it. You make it happen. And once you do that, he makes it happen. And then we have a miracle. Amen. So that's the way it works. God expects you to be a farmer. In Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 and 11, it said, God is the one who gives seed to the farmer. So while is God talking about farmer in the New Testament? Who is the farmer? God is the one, this is uh, New uh, Century Version. It says God is the one who gives seed to the farmer. So God considers certain people farmers. And he gives them seed. For what? To sow. I didn't realize that. God's giving me seed to sow. Not for him to benefit, but for me to benefit from he is the one that gives you seed to sow. God is the one who gives seed to the farmer and bread for food. So why he gives you the seed to sow, he's taking care of you, making sure that you're okay now because there's going to be a time before, there's going to be a time passing before you can reap the harvest, okay? So he gives you, he makes sure you're okay until the time of harvest. You may not have abundance when you're sowing as you sow, but a time is coming for reaping. So he gives you food, uh, bread for food. He will give you all the seed you need. Can, you, can I hear you say that? God will give you what? All the seed you need. <laughs> uh, I like that. That means if you really have your heart to sow, God says, I'll give you seed. Amen. If you really have a heart to give to God's work and to help people, God says, he sees it. He sees it from heaven. He says, I'll give you. But you have to show him you mean business. 
You do it, you start small. And he says, yeah, I found somebody. He wants to sow, I'll make you a real farmer. Amen. He will give you all the seed you need and make it grow. So there will be a great harvest for your goodness. God will give you the seed and he will make it grow. Now, why are we talking about this in the New Testament? We're Christians, we're not farmers, right? So why is God talking about seed? And if you read everything in context, Paul was talking about giving and receiving. He says, don't let anybody pressure you to give. Because if they pressure you to give, you are not giving willingly, and God doesn't like that, you're not going to get a harvest. So he's teaching us how to really make it as Christians. How to have abundance as Christians. Amen. So he, he blesses your harvest. Verse 11, he says, He will make you rich. Now, guess the word written there? Rich. God will make you rich in every way. Not only financially, your children, your business. When you are a sower, you take this principle on and you are ready to apply this principle without fear of criticism. What, what you're doing, you're going to give everything away. But you, have, you know what you've got. You got this jump from God and you know I'm going to do this because God said so. God would have found a friend. God will cause that thing to grow. He will make you rich. I mean, He want God to make them rich. I don't want Satan to make me rich. I don't want man to make me rich. Because when man makes you rich, they'll take the money away from you if you do, don't do what they like. But when God makes you rich, they can get to it. God gave it to you. And you don't have to please them. You don't have to make them like you. You just have it. They have to like you. Because God's made you rich. And this is scripture there. This is not just me talking. This is God speaking. Sometimes we have our own ideas about our God. But it's not your idea. It's what the scripture says. You have to line up with what the scripture says if you want God to confirm his word. God's not going to confirm your opinion. He confirms his word. He's not going to deny himself to please you because this is the way you think you go only with what he says god will give you what you sow he will make it grow he make you rich in every way he says so every area of your life god is blessing your children are blessed your finances blessed your business blessed everything that you do your health every way you're blessed he makes you rich so that you can always give freely. You see why? It's not about you. He loves it when you start giving. He says, oh, I'll just pour on them because they're going to pass it away. God is not seen, but you can be seen. He knows you can, you can connect to Him and He can put it through you. Amen. And you keep passing it out. He says, keep it, keep it going. As you pass it on, God puts more. So that you never be in want. And he says, and your giving through us will cause many to give thanks to God. So as you give to the work of God, you know, sometimes I, I get people that wanted me to come to Africa, come and preach. And I, I don't want to go yet and I don't want to go. I like to go somewhere. But when you, when you give and I'm able to go, Angela is able to go to the Philippines and you give, thousands of people come to Christ. They didn't know Jesus before, but because of that you're giving. Now they know Jesus. And you think God will forget that? No. 
God will never forget it. You see, man may forget. God always settles. It may not settle when you want him to settle. But he's going to settle. And when he settles you, everybody knows he settled you. That's the way God is. He's going to settle always. So he says, because you give. Now, people are crying and saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. We're taking medicine to the Philippines. They're going to be rejoicing. Some of them, just hopeless. Now they got medicine. Oh, God, thank you for sending these Americans to us. And now look, my child can live. And that's because you gave. Who can be more than that? And God sees it in heaven. Oh, he smiles. And he smiles upon your life. Means favor. Amen? And goodness upon your life. Amen? God doesn't want you to live by what you do, your work. God's not asking you to work to make a living. God's asking you to work so you can give and make a living through your giving. Amen. That's the truth. I wish Christians would realize this. This is what I believe people like Kenneth Copeland have discovered. They know that. But people are so selfish when it comes to money, they don't want to do anything. They're constantly, if I give this away, well, what am I going to eat? Well, if I do this, and the pastor is asking, he started again asking for money. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, we go again. They have that kind of, it's a selfish thing. And God sees that. There's no love there. But these people, they have discovered this secret. And I want to know what they have known. The secret of giving. And they're constantly, Creflo Dollar was saying, when they go out, it's a fight between himself and, and uh, Kenneth Copeland, who's going to pay they're fighting because they know if, I, if you pay, I don't get anything. I got to pay so I can get something. I got a soul. I got a soul. So important. God, look at this scripture. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28. It says, let him who stole steal no longer. So if you've been stealing, now you become a Christian. God is saying, stop stealing. You, I can't bless a thief. Okay, stop. Let him who stole steal no longer. So what should he do? He says, but rather let him labor. Say, yeah, that's what he should do. Let him labor. Let him work. Working with his own hands what is good. For what purpose? That he may have something to what? To give. It's your giving that's going to make your living. You don't go, your work is to provide you seed. God gave you talent so you can have your job. But if you really want to really want God to work miraculously in your finances so that you are steady and you are going up, not going up and coming down and going up and just steady. If you find this secret and you apply it, watch out. Watch out. Things will change. You know, God created every one of us. My abilities are so different from my wife's ability. My wife can quote all the milligrams of drugs all over the place. And I'm wondering, boy, she, she's so smart, you know, because she's able to do that. I can't do those things. But there are other things that I can do. You have things that you can do. So when God gives one person an ability to be a doctor, and the other one doesn't have the ability, so God's made this one rich and the other one poor? No. The thing is, if the doctor 
or whoever know they understand the principle and begin to apply the principle, they'll be rich. God can give you just one single idea. Just one simple idea. And the thing is, you'll be thinking, how come nobody thought about this? How come nobody thought about this? And before long, a factory is built. And money comes to visit with you. There's nothing impossible with God. So I got nothing to worry about. So it's your giving that's going to make your living. Amen? I got to move on further. Because I got to finish this tonight. The law of love. That's the fifth thing. The law of love. For a Christian, there's only one thing that you need to do business with God. Only one thing. Tears don't cut it. Begging doesn't cut it with God. Crying doesn't cut it. <laughs> I will even go further. Prayer may not cut it. You can pray all night long. There's only one thing that gets God's attention. It's called faith. That's the only thing God recognizes. He feels sorry for you, but when you don't have faith, you hold him back. He cannot really work. He'll be there while you're crying. But he can't really do anything. Because the just shall live by faith. That's all he says. So faith is very, very important in the Christian life. But faith is not effective without love. You cannot really do much business with God without love. You can have all the faith you say you, you claim to have. But it's not going to work for you. If there is no love. Love is so important to God. Because that's who He is. God is love. There is no way you can read in the scripture where it says God is faith. But God is love. You can have all the faith, but if there is no real love in your heart, you're wasting your time. You can't, God cannot do business with you. In fact, you cannot be righteous without faith. There is no righteousness without faith. But that faith only works through love. Let me read the scripture here. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. It says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision... That something you do or on circumcision avails anything but faith working through love. That's what matters to God. That's what he's saying. There is nothing else that matters but faith working through love. Let me read this scripture to you. How you can really profit in God. You know, when you love, we're talking about giving. You can't love and not give. It's impossible. If you are not giving, I know you don't, you don't have love. Because for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. When Jesus said, you are my friends, I give my life for my friends. And he says, to love. You won't give if you don't love. If you don't love God, you won't give anything to him. No matter what. So everything is tied in this one thing. Love is so important. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 3, he says, Though I speak in tongues of men and of angels, 
I can really just yelling out. He, he sounds very spiritual. But if he's mean, there's <laughs> uh, uh, nothing there. He's just hot hair. There's nothing there. You got to really love. That's what moves God. The man, there was a man, many of you hear about T.L. Osborne? So many miracles take place in his meetings. So many miracles. Even a, a, a child that was born without eyes, it just thick skin. Probably called a genetic disease, just thick skin, no opening. In one of his meetings in Kenya, the mother was praying, the mother had his hand, uh, eyes closed, and when she opened her eyes, she looked down, and this kid that had no eyes was looking up at her. That was the first time, who was this, you know? But he was ministering one day, and I had a friend, a friend of mine from Puerto Rico. We both were there. And we listened to him as he was talking. And my friend started crying. I said, what's the matter? What's the matter with you? I mean, we came to listen to T.L., not for you to cry. He couldn't stop crying. He said, good luck, that man loves too much. He loves too much. I can tell from his words. It's so much love. And that's who T.L. husband is. And so, because of that, just great signs just coming out of him. He has nothing to prove. He's over 90 now, still going. Miracles still taking place in his life. No one. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging, clanging cymbal. It says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, now we come about the faith again, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. God says that's the, that's the nothing over there. He's just making a whole lot of noise. Love is the important thing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. In other words, you are not going to profit, no matter what you do in God, if love is not mixed with it. You got to mix love with it. Love is so important. The Bible says love never fails. You know why? Because God is love. You cannot apply love and fail. Sometimes it seems when you are applying love as if you are failing. Or maybe encouraging something that is not good but you are really loving. And in your heart you are loving the love of Jesus. Slowly but surely. You change. That's the thing that changes people's heart. I remember when I was newly saved, I preached at my mom. I mean, it was constant. I never let her rest. Kept going after her. I wanted her saved. Uh, my mother is not going to hell. I'm, she's got to get saved. And I, I, I yell at her if she doesn't respond well. I forgot that I was supposed to respect my mother. And then God showed me, just love her. All you need to do is love mama. And so that's what I was doing. Just loving her. I never, I never even talked to her about Holy Spirit thing. And she watched a lot of people coming into my room to receive the Holy Spirit while I was visiting in Nigeria constantly. People came, but I never would talk to her. I never preached to her anymore. It's just to let her know she's loved. 
Mama, I love you. I sent her a card from the United States on Mother's Day. She says, what is Mother's Day? That was a long time ago when we didn't have that kind of culture. But way back then, I told her in America, we respect all our mothers here. She says, thank you very much. And we became so close. And she started to respond. She accepted Christ as Savior. But for me, after you get saved, I want to get you filled with the Holy Spirit. But the whole, don't do that. Mama is not going to take that. And so I let her be because she was in a church that didn't, that didn't believe in baptism and the Holy Spirit. But people kept coming to my home constantly and receiving. One day Mama got in the morning. She got in my room as I was praying. She said, son, what did I do wrong to you? Well, did I offend you? I said, no. What's the matter? We went back to sleep. I mean, last night we went to bed. No problem. Why are you asking that? She said, you pray for people to receive the Holy Ghost, and I'm your mother, and you never even asked me. (laughs) I said, Mama, I didn't even know you want that. She says, yes, I want that. And we prayed, and Mama started blasting in tongues. Both of us were speaking in tongues. And in the morning, I get my little guitar out, and I'm playing, and she slips into my room, and we blast out both of us in tongues. And she told me, your brothers are heathens. Let's go witness to them. (laughs) <laughs> let's go witness to them and she'll call of all of them with authority you all sit down there your brother has something to I say I got mama on my side now this is wonderful <laughs> how? because I refused to pester her just love her and I made my friends know mama is special you touch mama I'll lose my Christianity I'll whack you real good and she knew that uh huh and she responded. Sometimes when they can, will not respond any other way, they'll respond to love. They'll respond to love. You're giving, you're hugging, and touching them, calling, all of those things. They'll respond. And when you do that, you are leaving Christ to them. You are showing who Jesus really is to the world. And the world will always respond. Always respond. You can turn an enemy to a friend. By showing love. I read a story of a guy back home, you know, we put our clothes out when it rains. And, uh, I mean, out to dry. Because we didn't, when I was growing up, we didn't have uh, uh, dryers. And so, but if you happen to be outside and your clothes are hanging out and it rains, forget it. You got to do it all over. And this guy had a Christian man that was his enemy. And he thought, oh my goodness, finish, I got to do this washing back again. But his enemy, the Christian guy, took everything in, folded it. And he thought, man, not only, I've lost everything. My clothes, I don't mind, you know, washing my clothes, but now they're gone. And the Christ, his enemy brought it back to him. I, it was going to rain, I was at home, I brought them in for you. You did that for me? Yeah. For me? Thank you. Change. Amen? Now they can talk. Good morning, good morning. How are you doing? How are the kids doing? They were enemies. Can change anything. Amen? Love. Love is so important. Then I'm going to talk about the law of forgiveness. There is nothing more liberating to the soul of a man than to receive forgiveness. Nothing more liberating. He frees you. When I was forgiven by God, oh gosh. I mean, I could kiss my enemies. I'm telling you, I was so excited. This Lord just taken from me. 
Because I knew my sins had been forgiven. I got nothing more. If I died, I was going to go to heaven. Nothing more liberating to the soul of a man than to receive forgiveness from God. And from somebody who you've been at odds with. When they truly forgive you, there's so much freedom. You can do anything in their presence. It's so liberating. And there is nothing so destructive as to harbor unforgiveness. He'll kill you. He'll kill you. Unforgiveness is the birthplace for bitterness. And if you harbor bitterness, your life will be bitter. He shows everywhere you go. And people don't want to be around you and you don't know why. Because you have a bitterness. Once it comes out of your mouth, people can sense it. And it's that thing that is there because you are bitter. And they notice something. Bitterness spreads. Unforgiveness spreads. It doesn't stop there. It's the enemy that's coming to take your life over. And what unforgiveness does is it stops the flow of God's blessings upon your life. No matter how you sow, you got people talking about paying their tithe faithfully and doing all of that. It could be just because of this one thing that you have against this person. And you refuse to forgive. That's stopping everything. All your blessings stopped. Because you, and you, you can be justified by telling people, you, you don't understand what I, went, I had to go through. Oh yeah. You want to tell that to God? What he had to go through with us? And him sending his son? You think you can justify that? Because forgiveness is liberating. He'll free you to be whatever God called you to be. If you have unforgiveness, no matter what you do in life, you are not going to be successful. It shows you exude it, the bitterness, and they can see. They don't want to be around you. Your employer doesn't want to be around you. Your attitude's really bad. You come in one day, the next week they're ready to fire you. They don't want you around. And you may not even realize it. The root is that bitterness. And it spreads. The Bible says you should watch so that there is no root of bitterness springing up from among you, defiling many. He cursed other people to go down. That's how bad this thing is. He destroys everything. Everything that unforgiveness touches, it destroys. Forgiveness brings life. If you want to really live, forgive. You don't have to be their friends. <laughs> you don't have to go eat with them. But release them. Release them. The way I see it, why should I suffer? Because he's offended me. <laughs> I'll let him go. He's not worth it. I'll let him go and forgive him so that I can have peace. Why should he, he's already wronged you and now you're allowing him to put you for the down? Why? I'll release him. Let him go. He's not worth it. I'll forgive him. I'll even buy something to make him feel good so that I can have my freedom and God can bless me. Because when you have unforgiveness, there is a shadow over your life that the Holy Spirit cannot penetrate. God, the Holy Spirit, who is the only one that takes things from the, uh, the uh, spirit realm 
the unseen realm and brings it into the natural world, he's so grieved with unforgiveness, he can't live with you. So you have a lot of unrest in your life and in every area of life. And then it begins to affect your children and their children. Unforgiveness is a horrible thing. This is one principle. Make up your mind today, I'm going to forgive. If there's a person in your life you need to call, call them and talk to them. Send a text message, an email. Say, you know, this happened, but I'm forgiving. I'm, for, I'm going to put it behind me. I don't know if I'm wrong or right, because they're going to argue or right, but you let them go. And watch what, when you pray that time, your prayer is going to be different. Because God is there with you. Amen. I'm going to conclude with this, the law of patience. The law of patience. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. What does this say? God allows tests in your life to produce what? In you? Patience. So patience must be something very valuable. Eh? <laughs> I need patience. But the way to get patience is you got to go through some tests. How many want to go through tests right here? Let me see your hand up. Very few hands. But that's the only way God can reach you. Because you need patience. And the only avenue that God uses to deliver patience to you is some test. How many going through tests right now? Oh, this lady had her hands both up. <laughs> oh, yeah. We don't like them. But, but James tells us this. Count it all joy. Have you read that scripture? Count it all joy because God is beginning to develop patience in me, right? Count it all joy when you go through diverse temptation. God's not going to tell you the color of the temptation. He's going to come. Just be ready to handle it. Because God wants to develop this priceless thing in your life called patience. And when you can be patient, guess what God says? Let's go around the wilderness another time. <laughs> For 40 years you're still going through your wilderness trying to learn this thing. Now notice what he says. Knowing that the testing of your faith, he says, count it all joy. Why? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work in your life. So what is patience doing? He's doing the work in your life. God, do that work in me. Can I hear an amen? Uh, not me, huh? Do a work in my life. When patience is finished, it's perfect work. It says you may be perfect and complete. What? Lacking nothing. Nothing. I had my friend one time, I was complaining to my friend, telling him how much I was suffering because this guy was really giving it to me. So he said to me, that's the man that brought me to the Lord Samuel. He says, good luck, you need, you, you need, you need me to pray for you. God needs to give you patience. I'm going to give you, I'm going to pray for you so that God will give you more trouble. I said, Samuel, take your hands off my back. I'm not, I don't want more trouble. I'm having a hard time dealing with this one guy. What's you trying to do to me? You know? Now I realize I was just a few days old as a Christian. Now I understand what he was trying to do. And he says, I'm going to pray for more trouble for you. I said, are you a friend or a fool? Who are you? God will produce this in you. We need that. Troubles come to us. They are not to break you. Because God is with you. 
Remember what the scripture says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's trouble. I fear no evil. Why? Because he's going through it with you. And like I've often said, on the other side, a table is prepared before you. God doesn't kill your enemy. He wants them to sit around while you are enjoying from his table. Amen? If he kills them, they won't see what you are enjoying. So he bless, you bless them as he develops patience in you so he can minister to you. Amen? God bless you. Stand up this morning. I'm already working on our next series, and it's a very important series, is how you can change your life through prayer. How you can transform your mind and change your life through prayer. That's what the next uh, uh, series of uh, messages I'll be bringing here. Lift your hands up to the Lord this morning. <coughs> God's already moved here in this morning. And God is already at work in your life this morning. I'm going to declare to you, as a servant of God, you are blessed. Call yourself blessed. Call yourself highly favored. Forget what's happening to you right now. Believe in God that God is bigger than what you're going through right now. And begin to call yourself favored of God. And truly you are favored. We're not just making you say things. That's the truth. That's the truth. The enemy doesn't want you to see that you are highly favored of God. And when you believe that, then you unleash God's blessings upon your life. You need to know that. You are highly favored. God is blessing you. All eyes closed this morning. If you're here and all heads bowed, if you're here, I want to pray for you. If you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, you really need to know the release that comes into a man's life when, they receive, when he receives forgiveness from God. You need to experience that. It's something out of this world. It's just not here. It comes from heaven and is poured into your heart. When you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning at the count of three, if you don't really know Christ as your Savior, I want you to put your hand up quickly and put it right down. And I'm going to pray for you. And you will begin to experience God's presence in your life. So at the count of three, if you need Jesus in your life and you want him to be a part of what you're doing in this current life, I need you to lift your hands up. One, two, three. Put your hand up. If you need Christ as your Lord, thank you. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you. Father God, you see those hands that were up this morning, acknowledging your presence in, in their lives. Lord, they receive you by indicating that they want you. Meet them at the point of their need for you in their lives. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. Lord Jesus, forgive me my sins. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Write my name in your book of life. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for writing my name in your book, the book of life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we go, everybody stand up. Lift your hands up. I've actually discovered this. This is amazing. I decided, feel, feeling led, that this is what I'm, I'm going to do.
And then I was watching John Hagee on television, and I realized he's doing the same thing. Blessing you the way I'm going to bless you right now. And he was saying, his son was the one speaking, there are millionaires, our people are being so blessed, even his own life, when his father spoke the words of blessing to the congregation. So I want to be doing that here because I'm expecting God to bless every one of you and to give you peace in your situation. I know what it is to have peace. When you are troubled by a situation, God wants to give peace. And I want to pray for God told Moses, he said, speak to Aaron. Speak to Aaron to bless the people. And this is the way I want him to bless the people. Say these words. And he says, when, he says, when they say these words on my people, this is the way I will put my name upon them. And then I will bless them. So when I speak these words over you, I'm not just speaking words. I'm speaking what God said to speak over your life. And as I speak those words over your life, then God will begin to put his name on your life. And once he sees his name on your life, then according to his word, he's obligated to bless you. And he's going to do that. Because we are in his presence this morning. Amen. So I'm going to speak his words to you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. We're dismissed. God bless you.